Welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Trasetta from NHS Somerset, and I'm joined by my colleague and friend, uh, Dr. Peter Bagshaw, GP, and also from Somerset uh, NHS, where I'm mental health lead. Lovely. And we're really pleased today that our topic is knowledge matters. And we have two authorities on it from Somerset. We've got uh, Veronica Price and John Carter. And very warm welcome to you. And could you please introduce yourselves to us and our listeners? Hello, Andrew. I'll start if you like. I'm John Carter. I'm the Senior Development Officer at Somerset Libraries, uh, which is uh, part of a service run by Somerset County Council. Thank you very much. And Veronica? Hello, Andrew. I'm Veronica Price, and I'm the Clinical Outreach Librarian at Somerset Foundation Trust, based at Musgrove Park Hospital. That's just great. So, knowledge matters. Uh, knowledge about health, knowledge about all sorts of things. What's what's new? Because we've been through we've been through a pandemic. We're still perhaps going through a pandemic, but life has changed dramatically for all of us over the last two or three years. So, what would you like to share with us? What would you like to tell us about? I'd like to tell everyone about just how different libraries have become over the over the course of the pandemic and if you like the services that we offer and how people have accessed them in different ways but also I'd like to talk about how we can really support the community um, and in, in with relation to health and well-being then then there's a whole myriad of services that we've been uh, able to offer some of them uh, sort of digital resources but some of them just very uh, simple physical uh, things such as events and activities but I'd really like to talk a little bit about that uh, and also about our, our sort of forging partnership with with uh, colleagues over at NHS. Peter you were going to ask? Yes I, I you've kind of almost uh, answered the question I was going to ask John uh, so I, th- I think a lot of us have an idea of libraries as as places stuffed with books where librarians go, shh, if you make a noise. And that's not how libraries are at all these days, is, is it? What what sort of things do you offer now? Well, in terms of um, sort of the vibrancy of libraries, I mean, I think I can just pull out a few things there, I think, Peter. So one of the uh, activities that we run on a very regular basis again now, happily, is the, the rhyme times and the story times for for. Uh, parents and carers to come with their little ones into libraries, which is a fantastic sort of social event, also a very noisy event. But uh, actually, libraries are very vibrant places and sometimes quite noisy places. Um, but we have things as well that people might be a little bit surprised to hear. So we have things like uh, an iPad loaning scheme, for example. So you can loan an iPad as well as as well as books. Uh, you can come in and get information and support on on your health and well-being through our sort of uh, reading well collection which is specific collections designed to help support people with health and well-being information. Uh, we've even got things like interactive projectors, which I can talk a little bit about later on, if you like, but that's just one of our recent new new things. But some of the clubs and activities that we run in libraries are, are becoming really, really popular, and that's everything from sort of reading groups right up to uh, sort of Scrabble clubs, knit and natter, and, and events and activities for little ones, such as Nintendo Switch days and things like that as well. So it's becoming really quite broad, and I think people are increasingly seeing libraries, if you like, like as a, a sort of community hub. 
That's absolutely fascinating. Thank you. And um, where does where does health knowledge specifically fit in that? Do you think? I'm going to let Veronica step in on that one. I think because I think this is this is highlights something which we've been developing over the past few years with a, with a, with a strong partnership. Lovely, Veronica. Yes, thank you, John. Um, I, th- I think where, where health knowledge fits in here is that we've seen, and I think the pandemic has accelerated this change to there being a wealth of health information provided online and through technological devices. Um, we've all seen people consulting their GPs now over, over Teams or, or over online chats. And, and so much of the information has been put online that for a lot of members of the public it, and, and indeed for anyone, it can be quite difficult to know which information out there is reliable, has, is, is evidence-based and trustworthy, and which information is, is provided in a format that can be understood by everybody. And that's where the, the health librarian expertise comes in, because we can um, access the information that's that's ideal for for anybody to understand and that is accessible to everybody. And we can um, train our colleagues at the public libraries where to search for that information, how to appraise health information, um, and actually provide them with curated content lists to add to their their loanable iPads so that we know that the information that we're providing to the public through our colleagues in the public libraries um, is the best information that can be accessed and that we can help people avoid the amount of misinformation or disinformation that might be out there relating to health. I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. We've gone from paucity of knowledge to an overload of knowledge, haven't we? But a lot of it is very, very... Um, <laughs> dubious. Uh, so I know you've talked to us before about uh, trusted information and so on. Can you just recap for listeners who might have missed that podcast what the library service does to ensure that anything that they they access in a library is reliable? Yes, uh, well, we we go to um, several sources. Number, I mean, number one, we obviously. We are not health professionals ourselves, so you know if if people come in to to, to ask us for um, information, you know our, our first um, reaction is to tell them that we can only provide information. We're we're not here to provide health advice, and that they must uh, contact a health professional. But if someone just needs background information on their condition or something that they're worried about, we will always point them to the NHS website first of all where all of the information has been sourced from strongly evidence-based resources it's we we know it's coming from a clinically accurate point of view and what's more it has been produced and presented in formats that are accessible to all so it won't be pages and pages of dense um sort of uh, professional language that, that nobody can understand. It's it's written in easy read, everyday English. Often it's presented uh, pictorially or even in video format so that it's accessible to all. Um, so that's number one. 
taking a look at, at the NHS app and, and all of the information that's there for the public. Um, and then there are the um, health information quality marks. So uh, for the UK, there is a quality mark known as the, the Patient Information Forum, the PIF, the PIF tick. And we will direct people to the PIF uh, website, the public facing website, where you can see exactly which organisations have had their information accredited by this organisation. Uh, and again, it has been accredited on the basis that it is reliable and that it is accessible to anybody and everybody that needs to, uh, to understand it. Um, and then finally, the patient info website, which again, every piece of information on there um, is uh, related to a, a specific health professional. You can look up the health professional that's provided the information and check that you're looking at a reliable source. So th those are the sort of three key sources. And, um, you know, as I said before, we have created a, a, a long curated list really highlighting that the sort of 10 um the 10 topics that um one of my colleagues who works with the um with the gp network in somerset um the 10 topics that they see the most patients um suffering from which begs the question that's a, that's a, almost a teaser you're giving us what are those 10 <laughs> topics i'd be fascinated to know what, what the most common things that people come to you asking for are um now you, you've caught me off guard here because i don't have that list up in front of me but i i can, I can tell you that it's you know it's 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 mostly um heart heart conditions and blood and and you know blood pressure related conditions diabetes um and asthma i believe those are the top three and um that, that sounds about right that's 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 great thank you and can people use library it source resources to access um video consultation or to access issues with health services if they don't have them at home what um you see yeah, well to not not a not for those sorts of consultations because libraries are very public spaces so so clearly there could be an act, uh, an issue around privacy but what we do encourage people to do is become a sort of a member of the library so that they can come in and use the free computers which are there for people and from there they can access uh, all of this sort of curated information that uh, Veronica's mentioned. But the one thing I ought to mention as well is that the, a scheme which is uh, now up and running is whereby people can, as I mentioned uh, earlier, people can borrow an iPad. Uh, and from those iPads, we've got sort of uh, preloaded uh, links and information to, to support for people uh, with all of those um, links that Veronica's just mentioned. Uh, and then and people can can use those iPads to also get familiar and get and get get a bit more confident because as Veronica mentioned, people can be uh, encouraged to, to, to look for the NHS um, information or the app, but quite a lot of people can struggle with that. Uh, and one of the projects which, which we're currently running is to actually uh, give people a bit of support about, okay, how do you download the NHS app on your smartphone or tablet? And how do you look for more reliable information that's actually curated uh, by health professionals? And that, that's something which, which we're now 
high running uh, out in the community and, and in, in, especially in two of our libraries at Taunton and Yeovil, a member of staff is actually there to, uh, to help with some of those technical queries, if you like, and to try and break down some of those barriers for people that might be feeling a bit less confident about accessing information online. That's great to hear, because that was going to come to my next question, which was, it sounds great to have some trusted, curated information, but do do I or do our listeners have to physically come into a Somerset library in order to talk to somebody, in order to be told where to look, or are there o- online portals, or do you have a resource list um, that, that makes it easy, or, or, a, or a, a way forwards on that? Yes, I mean, we do have uh, our, our Somerset Libraries website, so somersetlibraries.co.uk, uh, and on there, 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 there's information with relation to sort of supporting people's health and well-being when it does outline some of the uh, physical collections that we have as well. We have something called the Reading Well Collection, which, again, is a whole plethora of, of books covering a range of uh, health and well-being subjects. Uh, some are aimed at um, sort of... Um, young people so sort of teenagers or, or children uh, some, some at older people but but, it, but they're becoming a very popular collection for people to come in and browse and then just get some of that support and quite often uh, we, we now have health coaches coming into libraries as well uh, so those health coaches can also browse the shelves with people and, and help to, to highlight if you like particular titles that might help them but that's something else which is now increasing we're very pleased that uh, our colleagues and and partners, uh, uh, health coaches, etc., are coming into libraries and meeting with people because essentially they're very safe, non-judgmental, and welcoming spaces. And I think that's something sometimes we almost underestimate uh, the importance of because people do feel very safe coming into libraries and therefore uh, getting this reliable health information. It is really the ideal sort of venue for them. That's great to hear, John, and I'm delighted that you're closing this digital divide that can open up when people aren't uh, used to technology and comfortable using it. Veronica, can I ask you about people who maybe struggle with reading? Because uh, libraries traditionally are associated with words and reading, but for, for a lot of people, that, that can be a, a, a difficult issue. Do you, do you have any ways of helping people who struggle with the written word? Um, yes, Peter, the... the um uh, you know, I'm very pleased to say that the the NHS website has made a lot of their patient information content available now in sort of video format or in, you know, really very easy read format with literally a very short sentence and a photograph beside it so that it, it's very accessible to everybody. Um, and something that we have been working on with the public library um, as part of this pilot project that we're working on, is trying to make sh- very short, bite-sized animated videos, just giving very key um, health information messages and and possibly then just a, a website or, or a link to another video that people can go and access and watch. So, you know, yes, we are. To, I think everyone in the health sector is trying very hard to, to make information accessible to all. If I can just maybe just quickly add to that, uh, if I may, Peter, as well, because I ought to mention that 
uh, part of the library offer, if you like, is e-audiobooks. Uh, and that's something that any library member can download for free. Um, so, and, and some of those titles, those e-audio titles are, are related to sort of health and well-being. In fact, there's hundreds of titles related to health and well-being. Uh, and, and that's another way that people can um, can receive some of this information as well. So um, we are we are trying to push that as much as possible, really. That's great to hear both. And I've, I've got skin in the game because I've got relatives who've uh, had long COVID and were previously great readers, but really find it too hard now to physically read a book. And, and they find audiobooks are absolutely brilliant. So thank you. Andrew, you wanted to raise a point. Well, Veronica, you mentioned pilot project. And is there a name for this pilot project, Veronica and John, that's happening in Somerset about um, uh, technological uh, about helping people with with issues with technology and and access. Uh, yes, there is a name. We we, we um, gave it the <laughs> the acronym of what if, but uh, but the actual what it stands for is well being, health, and technology information for all. So essentially, what it means is providing sort of online help to people who might be struggling with with digital uh, or technology issues and also um, reliable curated health information uh, so it's those two things combined really and and uh, some people um, can, can have a particular issue around technology in terms of just not being fe- feeling confident but others have just got an issue because they're just feeling overwhelmed and confused because there's so much misinformation if you like out there I think if we as our podcast is called knowledge matters perhaps we ought to preface preface that with reliable knowledge matters because I think that's perhaps one of the big issues uh, for people at the moment Absolutely, because one of the fascinating things about the internet is that you can get information about all sorts of things. But um, if if you have a group of people in a room and you're discussing a topic, uh, and let's say there's 20 people, there may be one or two at one end of the spectrum who have strong opinions at one end and one or two at the other end, but there'll be a great mass of people in the middle who who can sort of moderate the the, the information flow and, and one can come up with a consensus, whereas it does seem that sometimes on social media or, or so, some websites, one, one feels very that the information is very polarised and very one-sided. Have you got any uh, any experience of that happening at all? I think there's plenty of, uh, of evidence of that out there, especially during uh, the pandemic when, when we had such... Um, extreme views as well coming through around things like the vaccinations or or the effects of uh, COVID. And I think it it just highlighted, I think, this whole uh, issue around having just just reliable information that's been well-researched and and that has been, uh, if you like, given that tick that Veronica has mentioned as well in terms of being something which is um, which that's something you can actually definitely rely on, and I and, and it's and it's definitely becoming a, a real issue. I think about um, the problem of, especially when the information is very well presented. If it's misinformation, if it's very well presented, people can just. Uh, quite you know reasonably assume that the information is actually uh, sort of reliable and safe um, and I think that's one thing about libraries is they've always had this role of providing uh, impartial but reliable information and and that that's hopefully where people will will use us more and more because um, that's something we've done really for for 
centuries, if you like, is it actually provide uh, been a place to come to get that reliable, safe information. But yes, in answer to your question, I think there's, it's definitely increased uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, and I think it's um, uh, hopefully we see it as our role, if you like, to try and address that balance a little uh, and, and maybe be that, uh, that sort of voice of reason, if you like, in the middle of some of those polarised views. And Veronica, you mentioned uh, physical conditions that you're able to help with. What about emotional well-being, mental health issues, those sort of things? Do you have resources that cover that as well? Uh, yes, yes, we've we've certainly um, you know covered um, as 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 many of the as many of the reliable resources uh, that we can find on on mental well-being. And again, the NHS provides a great number of apps specifically related to, to different aspects of, of mental well-being. Um, so yes, we've certainly tried to cover that. And, you know, I would always say that just, you know, reading, there is actually evidence-based research out there as to the value of reading, um, whether it's fiction, whether it's graphic novels, whether it's listening to audiobooks. And so, um, you know, within the library, we have a book club to promote sort of mental well-being for our, for our staff and obviously pointing people to the public library. Um, you know, I think one of the key messages is to remind people that reading increases empathy and has been shown in an awful lot of experiments um, and a lot of research by people like the Reading Agency. I know by a group at Stanford University that reading genuinely has positive benefits on mental health. And one of the great things a lot of people say about reading, whether it's a physical book or, or online, but particularly a physical book, um, it, it's you have a relationship with it where, hmm, how can I put this? The screen can dominate the relationship, particularly when there are visuals as well. We all love films, but the power of film is so persuasive, whereas a, a physical book, we can get engaged within it, but we, we, we end up having a relationship which is a an equal power relationship, um, whereas the screen can... I feel that the screen is sometimes more powerful than we are, or it seems so. Um, but just on a, on a different topic, um, so accessibility through libraries, um, we're very much, in Somerset, English seems to be our first language, but that's only a statistical norm for people who have lived here for a long time or perhaps been born here. That's not necessarily... The makeup of everybody who lives here. So, so what do we do about helping members of Somerset who, who for whom English may not be a first language or, or may not be their chosen one to read it? I was just going to mention uh, we have a few things called talking cafes, uh, which uh, I've started to become developed within a few of our libraries and I think uh, Veronica will possibly talk about one that's actually also operating over at the hospital there but these are just ways where people can just come in an informal way just to try and in, in sort of increase their skills with learning English and also to come together as, as members of a, of a community um, so th those things are running there's also um, ESOL courses which are uh, because of the Ukraine situation of becoming something which is uh, again something more important for people that coming our guests coming from Ukraine uh, so that libraries again are being seen as an important 
a hub, a safe, welcoming hub for those people to come. Uh, and we also are, are getting more and more books for people uh, written in either in, in Ukraine or Russian so that people can access the, those books. Um, and in, in particular, dual language books and, and for children, which is something which we're just starting to get to get hold of now so that we can stock those and hand them out to people from, from those communities. Um, but yeah, we do have a sort of a tradition, if you like, as being somewhere. And also, let's not forget that sometimes these people might just be wanting to contact family back home and again as i mentioned earlier that that's is something they can actually do via the uh, computers in in the library as well and continuing andrew's point about accessibility what about physical accessibility for wheelchair users and others with uh, physical mobility problems Yes, all of um, our libraries uh, are, are accessible and, and there's also something we have called a virtual tour so that uh, if people use our, our website, they can actually just make sure that they're comfortable with the, in the sort of the environment that they're going to by, by going on and, and having a look at the library before they go using a virtual tour, which is now actually available for all of our libraries. So uh, so if someone wasn't quite sure about whether it was somewhere they would feel comfortable, they can, they can go and visit these virtual tours as well, I think. So that's something else we're uh, able to, to offer people. That sounds great. And we often on this podcast uh, make the case for being in nature, but I think being in a library uh, is an equally nourishing environment. You're, you're there in relative calm, except maybe when rhyme time is going on, uh, surrounded by the wisdom of others and books. And it's a, it's a nice place to be a library, isn't it? It is, and and I don't think we should forget the the value, if you like, the social value uh, that libraries can can offer in, with relation to things like the activities and events that can take place. They're a great place to come and meet other people, so it gives you, if you like, something to put on your calendar. And I'm going into the library today to do this, and um, and I and I would like to just quickly mention, in terms of what you mentioned about mental health earlier. Um, Andrew, was the um, offer we now have in a few of our libraries, which is that people can come and use an interactive projector. Um, I call it a little piece of magic. Essentially, it's uh, a way that uh, people can come and use this projector, which has hundreds of activities and games preloaded into it. And it's specifically designed uh, to support people that might be living with dementia or autism or, or with learning difficulties. Uh, and it helps to sort of stimulate uh, emotion and coordination. And, uh, and it can be a really valuable experience also for the, the carer, which I think sometimes, sometimes people are not necessarily recognize. So that just being with somebody uh, and seeing them react in a certain way can actually also be a very therapeutic uh, and, and rewarding thing for the carer. So we're actually offering uh, sessions for these devices at the moment in, in Taunton and Yeovil Library. We hope to be able to offer more uh, later on, but they've already become very, very popular. We've had hundreds of people coming uh, to use the, the activities and events through these um, uh, magic projectors. But um, that's just another example, if you like, of something that me people just wouldn't necessarily expect, if you like, from a library uh, environment. Uh, but it's just another way that we're trying to reach out into the community and, and provide that uh, sort of supportive space for them. I think you've absolutely made the case that if people haven't been to a library for a while, pop into your local library and see what's on <laughs> offer. It sounds like there's a lot of really exciting stuff going on. It sounds absolutely yeah, but... great. Sorry, John. 
So I to say thank thank you very much for that. And, and yes, I, and I think it's um, you know we want to encourage as many people. You don't you don't have to be a member of the library to come in and, and experience and enjoy all of the things that we offer. But clearly there are there are benefits. But and it's completely free to become a member. So we are trying to encourage as many people as possible to do that as well. And if you've got a fine from a book that you forgot to return in 1976, you, you're you not going to get landed with a bill for hundreds of pounds, are you? <laughs> there is always a way in which our library staff have can be um, looking at the waiving particular fines or making sure that people don't feel overwhelmed or have a problem. And also anyone uh, age 16 and under, there are no fines whatsoever now. We've we've removed them. So, uh, they're, they're, so and if you happen to go over overdue with any of your items and you're age 16 or, or under, then then you don't have to worry at all. Uh, but even, even if you're uh, an adult member, um, a member of staff will often uh, look at your situation and, and make allowances, should I say. But, if, you know, obviously there are, um, you know, there are some things there which to encourage people to return items so that other people can enjoy them. But um, always come and speak to a member of staff would be what we would say. Our producer, John, that's great to hear. He's just put in the chat. This is That's amazing for babies. So nice to know that if my son sticks a book down the back of the sofa, we won't get fined until we find out. <laughs> <laughs> as, long as, you, as long as you tell us that's fine as long as we know but uh yes i think it's uh, it's been uh, fascinating can, having you both on veronica john thank you very much for coming is there a last word you'd like to say about any any of the topic that we've been discussing um veronica first um i i just think i would say that you know i i have been so happy to work in partnership with the public library um, and I would encourage all of your listeners um, who are Somerset residents to go and check out their local Somerset library. There are lots of libraries scattered right across the county and I think the, the offer that they have, whether it's health related or otherwise, is fantastic. <laughs> Thanks Veronica and John. Uh, just to echo what Veronica said, and I'm hoping we might be able to come on again sometime with, and speak to you, Andrew and, 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 and Peter. But there's one thing I didn't mention before, in fact, which is um, uh, people can now loan a blood pressure monitoring device from, from any Somerset library as well. Uh, so that's something else we now have, or they can go and use the, the larger stand-on device at Taunton Library. But um, th th those are just another couple of things which people can also get. But yes, as Veronica said, please go and visit your library come and see you may be surprised uh but uh, how it's changed and, and from when you may have last come but uh, always come in and see us that's great to hear and peter as a published author do you want to mention the name of your latest book <laughs> oh you're too kind i'd sadly it's not stocked in any, in any local libraries but daggers of the mind it's uh, it's a kind of a um a medical whodunit set in a mental hospital but it, i hope it's got some uh, some interesting points for people so you know when it takes off and i become a multi-million selling author then you might stock it in the local libraries both even better peter perhaps you could come and do an author event for us and come <laughs> in and actually uh, sign some copies and speak to members of the public we've run out of time but just to say our, our producer david was also a published author anyway thank you very mm -hmm. much everyone that's just great so thank you very much indeed uh, veronica and peter for uh, veronica and john for coming kindly coming and joining us bye-bye thank you very much bye bye, -bye. 
You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrew Tresider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.